It's a quote that says, I wish it had never happened in my time. It's a quote from Frodo. And, and Gandalf's response was, so do I, and so do all who live in such times, but it is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Some of you might remember that quote from um, The Lord of the Rings, and uh, it's, a, it's one of many great lines that uh, resonates deeply in, in me, um, and it kind of gives voice to that need we all have to come to terms with the world the way it is, right? And, and not the world the way that we wish it were. And, and the world that we live in um, is, is more often than lot than not filled with a lot more challenges than we wish it were, right? Uh, there's just, there's so much around us that just doesn't work the way it ought to. That is just not the way things ought to be. And, uh, and, and the world that we live in and our lives, they get filled with, with, with pain and, and suffering and, and trouble that comes in all different shapes and sizes. And when that happens on a personal level, when we in our own lives um, land down on a chapter of suffering and difficulty, I don't, I don't have to convince anyone in this place that it can turn into a major league challenge to work through that, to process that, to make sense of what's going on, right? And so, and so that's, that's, that's reality. That's the world the way that it is. And so the question is, when, when we get to places like that, when we look around and we see that our lives are filled uh, with suffering, with hardship, with pain, what does Jesus want us to know? That's... That's the question. That's the question we want to look at. What does Jesus say to his saints when we're suffering? Um, that's, the, that's the question we're going to unpack together this morning. We're in the third week of a series uh, looking through the letters in, in the book of Revelation, letters written by Jesus to different churches. And, and hopefully as we're going through this, if you've been with us for the past two weeks, you're getting a sense of of how relevant revelation really is. But maybe not so much for just plotting out the end of the world, which is the way a lot of times people look at revelation. It's, it's for understanding what does it look like to faithfully live out Christ-centered lives in a world gone mad, in a world that's just completely jacked up, because that's the world that we're living in. And, and so, and so what I want to invite you to do is to just listen to these words, this letter that Jesus wrote to his saints who were suffering in a city called Smyrna. Here's what he says. It says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulations and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. All right, that's, that's Jesus' letter written to suffering saints. And it kind of reminds me of another passage in, in John 16, when Jesus told his disciples, he said this, that in this world, you will have trouble. Tribulation is the actual word. But then he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. That's it's kind of the condensed Cliff Notes version of this letter that we just read. Um, the beginning, the end, as well as the middle of that statement all apply, and they all need to be held together. So, so the reality is we will have trouble. So long as we are doing life in this world, in the current version of the world that we're in, we're going to have trouble. And it's also true on the other end of that sentence that at the same time, Jesus has overcome the world. He is the victor. He has won the battle. It's not something he will do at some point in the future. It's in the past tense. It's a done deal. It's already accomplished. And so because both of those realities are true, the middle applies. And he calls us, he calls you, he calls me, to take heart right now. Take heart. Jesus to this church in, in Smyrna, to these, these saints of his that were suffering and having hardship, he, he says two things. He instructs them to do two things. He says, first, he says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. And then he follows that with a second command. And he says this, be faithful unto death. That's Jesus' words to his suffering church. Now, I got to tell you, honestly, that neither of those are exactly the kind of message that I would like to hear when I'm working through difficulties and challenges and suffering. I would much prefer if Jesus were to say something more along the lines of, what's happening to you? I can't believe that. Hang on a second, my child. Let me fix that and take care of things, right? That, that would be great. I would love that. And it's not what he says. And, and for many of us, okay, this, this is sort of the first reality that we have to come to terms with. That Jesus does not often operate according to our expectations, right? Look at how he introduces himself at the start of this letter. He introduces himself as the first and the last, so he's revealing himself to this suffering church as eternal. That, that means there's never been a moment when he hasn't been around. Now, we can't even begin to fathom that, right? I don't know, you're probably smarter than me, but when I think about eternity and try to actually comprehend it with my mind for more than a minute, my head starts spinning. Like, so if I think of the beginning, right, and there's a point in time at the beginning, and then there's an end, before this point in time at the beginning, there's something before that. And, and then there's something before that. It, it never ends. And, and, so, and so I can't even comprehend that. My, my, my head starts hurting. Jesus never has to say, oh, that was before me time, you know, before my time. I wasn't around back then you know, like my kids do when I mention subjects like doo-wop music, 
or even worse, parachute pants if you lived through the 80s. Tried to forget that. Thankfully, my kids can't relate. But what we do understand, right, we, we say that with age comes experience. So here's the question, what comes with being ageless? What, what comes with that? What, what kind of expectations do we bring into when we, when we go before an eternal God and he starts to speak into our situations and our sufferings? And then add to that this, this second aspect of how Jesus reveals himself. He highlights that. He says, I am the one who died and came back to life again. That's, that's not something any of us are able to add to our resumes, right? None of us are going to put that down on our resumes. We've never been there. We've never done that. And Jesus kind of says, yeah, that's the point. That's the point. The point is that we start to see Jesus for who he is, understanding that he doesn't operate according to our expectations, and so we drop them. So we don't go into this conversation expecting like things like this, like, well, this makes sense to me, and since it makes sense to me, then this must be what God would want, right? Or, or this is the best possible response that I could fathom when it comes to suffering, so, of course, I can just presume that on God. We dare not do that. Instead, instead of imposing our expectations on an internal God, we, we approach him in humility, and we just simply strive to see Jesus for who he is. And then we, we come to terms with the reality that his ways are not our ways. They're better. They're higher. And so we listened, and we follow, we trust, and we obey, because he is literally infinitely more experienced and infinitely more qualified than you are or I am. And so what he tells his suffering saints in, in the Pastor Brian translation, uh, it goes something like this. He says, this ride that you are on is about to get rocky. Buckle up, hang tight, and stay the course. Things may go from bad to worse in the short term, but stick with the game plan because at the end, it all works out. See, Jesus doesn't lay out any short-term solutions for his suffering saints. If that's what we're looking for, we're gonna be very disappointed when we go to Jesus and we hear him. But what he does lay out is, is a long-term strategy, a game plan that spans all four quarters, the one that we're in, the ones that's coming, and the end of the game. And so when we hear things like, it's gonna get tough, when we hear things like, it's gonna take time to unfold, and then we say, keep going, stick with the game plan. Don't cut and run, because the end result is better than you've ever imagined. All right, and so the strategy that he lays out here, it addresses uh, the current condition, the next chapter, and the ultimate conclusion. And so I wanna kind of unpack that um, each, each at a time. Looking first at the current condition, uh, Jesus offers comfort for the challenges that, that these saints are currently in the right now working through. And that comfort is, is found in two 
simple words. I know. I know. That's, that's the comfort for right now. Now, for these saints in Smyrna, it was, it was, life was filled with all kinds of challenges. Smyrna was not an easy place uh, to, to, to work out faith in Christ in. Uh, they were working through tribulations, and Jesus says, I know about your tribulations. You know, that's like feeling the pressure from the outside world, just pushing down and squeezing in on you. And he says, I also know about about your poverty, that, that, that you're going through a financial crisis, and that likely is because they refuse to take part in, in worshiping the emperor. Um, in their culture, they considered the emperor divine. And, and in the city they lived in, in the city of Smyrna, they had a temple dedicated to the emperor, and every year, every citizen was expected to demonstrate their loyalty. They'd visit the temple, they'd burn incense on the altar, and they'd declare, Caesar is Lord. Not a big deal for the culture, but the Christians said, we can't do that. We can't play that game. There's that, that first commandment, right? You know, worship the Lord only. Caesar isn't Lord, Jesus is Lord. But here's the thing, that refusal, that, that cut them off from the economic engines of the empire. They were, they were isolated, they were segregated, and they're literally paying a price for their faith. Jesus said, count the cost. And for them, that was literal. And, and I, I love how, how Jesus clarifies how different things are from how they seem, right? He says, even though you guys are financially bankrupt, he says, you're rich. You're rich in a way that the world around you was never going to comprehend. Things are often not what they seem. And on top of all that, there's a slander campaign that had been launched against them. Jesus says, I know about the lies that are being told about you. In this case, it came from, Jesus calls them counterfeit Jews. He says, they actually hold membership at the synagogue of Satan. Now, in Revelation times, in the time this book was written, Christianity hadn't come into its own. It, it, it wasn't its own thing yet. It started out as a sect inside of Judaism, right? So they would, they would go to the temples, and they would say, Jesus is the Messiah. And then some, one of those in positions of power heard that, they didn't like what they were hearing, and so they started to make life difficult. They started spreading lies about the Christians, the people who were talking about Jesus, trying to get them in trouble with the Roman authorities. That's, that was the situation for the saints in Smyrna, and Jesus assures them, I know. I know about it all. I know about the stress, I know about the poverty, I know about the lies. I am acutely aware of every aspect of what it is that you are dealing with right now. And those two words, he knows, that, that was really the only comfort they had to grab hold of in the chapter they were in. He knows was the key phrase for their current condition. And it's during those times when we find ourselves just taking one hit after another, wondering when is it gonna stop? 
we have to make that the key phrase of our lives as well. He knows. See, I don't know exactly what's going on in your life. I don't know what you're working through, but Jesus does. And so when you're feeling that stress, when you're feeling that pressure, when, when you're facing financial challenges and you just have no idea how you're ever gonna make ends meet, or, or when you're dealing with, with slander and people making things up about you and spreading it all over social media, whatever the situation, whatever the challenge, he knows. And, and Jesus wants us to know that he hasn't forgot about us in our times of trouble. The presence of pain is not an indication of the absence of God. Please, please hear that, my friends. This is so crucial to right living. The presence of pain is not an indication of the absence of God. Don't jump to that conclusion that since life is hard, God must be gone. It's, it's, just, it's just not true. I know for right now is enough. It may not be what we wanna hear, but it's enough. And part of that's because the I who knows is Jesus, the first and the last. He knows the beginning and the end. He knows every detail in between, and he knows from personal experience. He's been there. He knows your pain. He knows what it's like to be afflicted, to be persecuted, to be murdered. And so that I, I know it calls us to come close to him in the midst of all of our trouble and our pain because we understand that he gets it. He's been there. So Jesus goes on and he describes not only what the current chapter looks like, he also describes the next chapter and what it's gonna look like for the saints in Smyrna. And he shoots really straight with them about the suffering that's just around the corner out of sight. Here's what he says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you the crown of life. So for the saints in Smyrna, the title of the next chapter that they were about to turn the page to had the title, More Suffering. Ah, things are about to go from bad to worse. And here's the thing, Jesus, Jesus prepares them for it. He tells them in advance and gives them everything they need to know about what's about to go down so they're ready for it. So they're not taken by surprise. He says, hey guys, this is coming. He says, hey guys, this is how long it's gonna be. And this is, this is what to do about it. Here's who's responsible for it. Um, but don't miss the memo. It's gonna be tough. The road is gonna get real rocky. Jesus said something like, it's through many afflictions and persecutions that we will enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't, don't miss that memo because so often people come into the Christian life with the expectation of what will ultimately be not recognizing that that's not the chapter we're in yet. 
passage tells us it's, it's not easy street, right? There are, there are streets of gold. They're not here yet. And it's in this passage that we're introduced for the first time in the book of Revelation to, to the devil. Uh, he, he is one of the main characters in the book of Revelation. He fills the role of adversary, and he's someone we need to be aware of. Here's the reality. You have an enemy. You have an actual enemy. Satan is not a symbol. He's not a metaphor. He is a spiritual being. His goal is to take you out, to get in your way, and mess up everything good that God is doing. That is absolutely his objective. And he's behind it all. Jesus tells them, Satan's the one who's going to do that. Don't, don't stop at the physical people who are doing this. They are tools of the enemy. He's the one who's behind it all. And we need to be aware of that, not ignorant of this supernatural spiritual reality. Make no mistake, this enemy, this adversary who is dead set against us, he is bigger than you are. He is stronger than you and I are but he's ultimately a dog on a leash. He's ultimately a dog on a leash. Jesus knows exactly what Satan is up to. Do you see that? There's no surprises. He tells them in advance, Jesus is sovereign over Satan's schemes. Everything that Satan has in mind to do, he only does because God has given permission for him to do that. The time frames, it's already determined. Some of you are going to get tossed around for, for 10 days, you know, not just for, it's not forever. It's not for until we can figure out what to do next. It's, it's already set. So buckle up and hang tight. There, there is nothing that Satan will ever do to you. He will not get to you without first going through Jesus and getting the boss to sign off. All right? Um, there should be some hope in that. Jesus is sovereign over Satan's schemes. And all right, I'm going to ask you to indulge me here in something that I don't typically do, which is let you in just a little bit in some of this cool thing that I found in my study this week. All right, um, so I hope I don't bore you or kind of get too academic for you. I don't think I do. I think it's really cool. It says in here that Satan... Jesus says, Satan, the, the devil would, will put some of you in prison, all right? The Greek word for put, it's this forceful word. It's the word for a forceful throwing or a hurling, right? And, and so as I looked at that and studied it throughout the book of Revelation, I found out that John loves this word. He uses it all over the place in Revelation 28 times that word for throw or put or hurl is used. So in Revelation, there's a whole lot of throwing going on. Things are getting thrown around all over the place. It's always something that happens on a supernatural level, and it's always from something, someone stronger throwing something weaker around. And so, you know, you see like the living creatures, they throw their crowns at the throne of, of Jesus. Satan gets thrown out of heaven. Things are always getting thrown around all over this book. Okay, so I, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And so on a whim, 
I went and I found the Greek Old Testament. Okay, so in the first century in the Roman Empire, most of the Jews uh, read the Septuagint. It's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Okay, so I went and I went to Genesis 3.24. This is the passage where God um, basically evicts Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden after the fall, if you remember that. And so I got to that and guess Guess what word was there for, for, for God evicting Adam and Eve? It was the same word. God threw them out. After the fall, they got thrown out. So, so, so God got the first throw, okay? And then from there, I went to the very end of the Bible, to the end of Revelation, chapter 20. And guess what? The final three throws, they're Jesus. Jesus takes them. It's verse 10 of chapter 20. It says, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. Will it be tormented day and night forever? And he says, and then death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. It says, that is the second death, the lake of fire. And then finally, anyone whose name is not found in the book of life is thrown in there with them into the lake of fire. I don't know if that excites you or maybe it's just me, but I like hear that. I'm like, scripture is amazing. Like, it's just incredible. Like, and, and it's like, here's the point. Jesus is saying, you guys are gonna get thrown around by the enemy. Buckle up, take heart, because the first throw and the final throw they're mine. I'm going to take them. And it's that last throw. That's the one that matters the most. And so in light of all that, Jesus tells them very boldly, very strongly, do not fear what you're about to suffer. He calls them to fearless faith, to face what's ahead of them courageously. Do you know that the most critical piece of information about what sufferings lie ahead of you is not the details of the suffering. The most important thing is how you respond to it. That's the most critical piece. Don't be afraid of it. Refuse to live in fear. And then he adds to that and man, he just turns it up. He says, be faithful. Be faithful, even if it comes down to your life being taken, even if it comes down to the very point of death. Reason being is that on the other side of fearless faithfulness is victory. On the other side, Jesus is gonna be there waiting to welcome you, arms open wide with a crown of life to hand to you. You know, for, for the most part, phrases like that and words like that, they, they sound to us more like abstract ideas. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every morning all that concerned about the threat of possibly having to die for my faith. Maybe that will happen someday, but, but I do know that there are brothers and sisters in Christ around the world to whom that charge is incredibly relevant. 
That's something, that's a reality they look at every single day. And no matter what our situation, Jesus calls us to that same attitude, the attitude of of faithless fearlessness. And, and, And that requires us to define the win. What, what is the win? The win is, is faithfulness, right? The win is not getting through a sermon without interruptions. <laughs> the win is not uh, getting through life pain-free, not having any trouble. I hope that happens, but it's not the win. It's, uh, you know, it's easy to trust God when things are going great, isn't it? Right? Life is good. Everything's working out the way that I want. I'm getting everything I want. God is good. Isn't it crazy how we use that phrase, God is good? As in, you did what I wanted. Right? Insert just a little bit of pain into the equation. And what happens? Suffering tests us. Suffering is a, is a test. It's the ultimate gut check. And that's what Jesus, that's how Jesus describes it. He says, you'll be tested for 10 days. And the point of a test is to pass it, to stay faithful when things get tough. Satan's goal in suffering is to do you in and to take you out. God's goal in suffering is to show what you're made of, to show and to highlight that this faith is built to last, that it lasts through anything, even speaker distortion. All right, this has just been a wild morning, I gotta tell you. Woke up this morning at five o'clock like I usually do on a Sunday morning, went downstairs to review my notes on the computer for this morning's message. It's like we can't even stop this. And um, I found out that... um, the file on my computer had erased. <laughs> so that's like every preacher's nightmare. Um, so that's how it started. And then it's kind, of, it's kind of gone downhill from there this morning, but that's okay. We're, we're going to be all right. Um, nothing like, like being the illustration of the very topic you're speaking about. I love it when that happens. Thank you, Lord. Find comfort in the present. Take courage for the next chapter. Is the last part. Jesus says, find confidence in the conclusion. Find confidence in the conclusion. He says, Jesus says, uh, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Jesus closes this letter um, by, by pointing to the end of the story, going to the end. And he calls us to see beyond the here and now, to not just get stuck in the moment and catch a vision for the way things are ultimately gonna turn out when all is said and done. And he assures us, make no mistake, faithfulness will be rewarded. Right now, the pain is real. We don't dismiss that, we don't deny it, we don't pretend it's not there. But at the end of the game, Jesus will be standing there, the crown of life in his hand saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Take this, this is yours. 
And, and Revelation is one of those books that is, it's just constantly pushing us, pushing us and to get our eyes, to take our focus off of just the right here and the right now, off of the temporal onto the eternal, off of the physical onto the spiritual, off of what's now onto what's next, and, and to recognize and deal with and live out these, these spiritual realities because the reality is that we are spiritual beings. Um, that at the very core of who we are, it's not just physical. We're, we're people with souls. We are people with souls. And who we are doesn't stop when our physical lives end. And the closing, Jesus says, listen up. Get this. He who has an ear, he says, let him hear. That's like, pay attention, guys. This is important. You gotta see the big picture. So he talks about not only the first death, but about the reality of this, the second death. Um, that, that beyond physical death, there is an even greater reality. Something that is infinitely more terrifying than physical death. And don't get me wrong, I am in no way trying to employ any kind of scare tactic. If Jesus said it, I want to make sure you hear it. Spiritual death. That's why, as Christians, we understand, we recognize. In our world today, there are people who say, one of the ways to escape pain is by taking your own life. Suicide. That's a satanic lie. The lie is that the pain that I'm in ends at the point of death. And you know what? According to the worldview of our world, if this world is all there is and we're in a box and there's nothing out there greater than us, then that would make sense. But it's not. That's not reality. There is a second death. There will be a future event that some will be hurt by and others will be exempt from and saved from. And so the way to live faithfully in the present is to lock in to the end. So if you're a Christian, if you are someone who's trusted personally in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you've made him Lord of your life, here's perspective for you. This is as bad as it gets, okay? Life gets hard. We don't deny that. Um, but we stay locked into what's coming. You know, God has something so great in store when faith becomes sight, so glorious, so beautiful that the difficulties, the challenges, the sufferings that we deal with and go through, it's gonna feel like this, this dream that we can't even really remember. That's, that's something we, we can be confident about today. And on the other hand, if you are not a Christian, if you're someone who has yet to receive Christ personally, and your name is not in the book of life, the opposite is true. This life is as good as it gets. And what you experience right now is the high watermark of your existence. 
and it's all downhill. There's no reason to be confident about the future. There is no hope for eternity because those are the kind of things that only Jesus gives. They come from him. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, I want to urge you today to do that, to turn from your sin and repentance, to turn to Jesus in faith and have that hope of eternity so you can know for certainty that when you stand before Jesus, it'll be a day of delight and not a day of dread. The story on a Friday night, probably a decade or more ago, I walked into Blockbuster to rent a movie. That tells you how long ago it was, right? You remember Blockbuster? They used to, you know, have VCR tapes and maybe DVDs, but I was, uh, I was determined to find a good movie to rent for Diane and I to have a movie night. You know, it had to be one that lots of action, a lot of suspense, just the right amount of romance to make Diane happy without making me sick. You know how challenging that is? And, 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 and I found one. I found one. And I looked on the back of the box, I read it, and, and, and there were all of these rave reviews about the surprise ending that no one saw coming. Grabbed the box, and I got in line. It was a Friday night, so there was a pretty long line. And you wouldn't believe what happened. The, the person next to me, um, his girlfriend walked up to him with the very same movie in her hand, and she asked him, what do you think of this? And he said, oh, good movie, but I've already seen it. And then he went on to describe the entire storyline in detail from beginning to end. So by the time I got to the register, I didn't even want to rent it anymore. I knew exactly what was going on, and, and the surprise ending no one saw coming, I saw it. I heard all about it. And it kind of ruined that movie night. Knowing the way the story ends, it's a, it's a lousy way to watch a movie, but it's the only way to live through life, right? There's a lot of ups and downs along the way in the story that we're in. And there's gonna be some moments where we're just gonna feel like, how am I ever going to make it? Maybe that's where you're at this morning but don't forget how it all turns out. Remember, if you know how it all turns out, that's gonna give you a whole lot of peace, a whole lot of perspective, and you're gonna need it as the story unfolds because it's not over yet. The, the book of Revelation, I've heard it, I've heard it summed out um, in, in a few different ways, but someone you know, said, yeah, the book of Revelation is very complicated, but he says, let me summarize it this way. Number one, Jesus' team wins. Number two, you get to choose sides. Number three, don't be stupid. That's what the end looks like. Jesus' way of saying that is, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Don't miss out. Lock into that reality right now. The world that we're in is not the world that we wish we were in. And we deal with that on a daily basis in trials, hardship, pain, suffering, you name it. And if you're in the middle of that right now, you can know uh, that Jesus knows. 
you can know that even though the road ahead is gonna get rocky, it may get worse than it is already, but whatever it is, Jesus is sovereign over it all. He's gonna see you through step by step. And you can know that at the end of the day, at the end of the story, when the game is over, that you wanna be there standing with him in victory. Let's pray together.